Last week, before I started my sermon, I visited with you a little bit, and some of you said you liked that visit. Um, today, I'm not going to visit with you uh, before my sermon, but uh, I'll, I'll do it another time again um, and, and visit with you. Just so this morning, we are going to do the second part of last week's sermon, but we're going to catch up a little bit because if you were not here last week, then it won't make as much sense to you as when I review a little bit. Are you with me? Okay. So because there are different parts to this, uh, to this sermon that we find in the scriptures. So we find a portion that has to do with each other. Then we have a portion that has to do with how the congregation should look at their leaders. And then we have a portion of how the leaders should look to their congregation. Are you with me? So, now, the first portion, uh, each other, we're going to go pretty quickly because I've already talked about that a little bit. The second portion, how the the congregation should look at the leaders, uh, we'll spend a little bit more time over there, although we have gone through it. But just to set up then the third portion, uh, how uh, the leaders uh, relate to the congregation, then that would make a little bit more sense if, if we get a, a, a little, bit of, a little bit, a bit of detail. Now, uh, is Scripture always easy to receive? Oh, 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 oh no. Uh, this morning we read out of 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the portion on love. Love is patient, love is kind, and so on and so forth. And that passage of Scripture is convicting all by itself. And I suggested, if you want it really to be convicting, uh, substitute in the word love, substitute your name, and then see how convicting it is. Very convicting. So, the Scriptures are not always easy to receive, but they are there for our instruction, for our edification, uh, for our correction, and these type of things. So, uh, when it is there for your correction, <laughs> people have a hard time. Uh, some people say, well, Pastor, you stepped all over my toes uh, this morning. Well, <laughs> praise God, Amen. right? God saw to it that this morning, He was specifically speaking to you. Hallelujah. Some people get upset, then they walk out or something. You know, when God is speaking to them, it's specific. Uh, Like I tell people, if I'm looking for a shoe, and I'm in the shoe store, and here, this is my size, fits just right. That's the shoe I was looking for. That is my shoe. I, I, I didn't go there to, to, to buy a shoe for Keith. <laughs> That's my shoe. It fits just right. Uh, it may not fit Keith. So when the scriptures are convicting you, praise God. Amen. I love scriptures that are convicting me. God is speaking to me in particular, and I love it. So... Um, these scriptures are not necessarily easy to receive um, because it speaks to uh, how a congregation should look at their leaders. And it speaks to how uh, the leaders should look to the congregation. And there are some ideas over there that have to do with, um, you know, uh, Honoring your leaders and has to do with uh, 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 the idea of uh, encouraging uh, the ones that are uh, in the congregation. It even talks about uh, the word warning over there. So things are not always easy. So let me get started. And I'll get started in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. We're not going to spend a lot of time there, but... 5.11 has to do with the each other part. The each other part. And then we're going to go, when we go to verses uh, 12 and 13, we're going to also include 
because Hebrews, the 13th chapter, speaks specifically like it speaks there on, uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians. It speaks to the congregation, how they look at their leaders. Um, so we're going to look at chapter 13, verses 7 and 17 as well. So we have a, uh, the first portion is the each other part. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. Uh, we talked last week, and this is the second part of last week's sermon. We talked last week about these are the end times that Paul is talking about. And in the end times, are things going to be easier or are they going to be more difficult? Very much more difficult. Very much more difficult. Some of us might be martyred. Is that a chance? Yes? They are martyring people all over the place. Right? Last week I mentioned to you about the, the Christians in Egypt that were beheaded. Uh, oops, I went the wrong direction. I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody said, woo. Uh, and they, they were martyred. So it is, nothing, it is not unusual, even in this time, that some people might be martyred. I tell you what, as hurtful as it would be, I couldn't think of a greater honor than to be martyred for the gospel. But because there is difficulty in coping with the idea of being martyred, death and difficulty, and, you know, <clears throat> the idea of martyring doesn't bother me much. It just depends on how they do it. <laughs> If they just give me a shot, poof, uh, I, I'm good to go. But if they go nail by nail and finger by finger, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> that would be very difficult. <laughs> An honor nevertheless, but very difficult. So in these end times when, uh, but that Paul is speaking of over here, he says there is really a great need for you to comfort, encourage one another. Comfort each other and edify one another. To build each other up in the faith. Because they're going to need it. Because they're thinking, some of them might be thinking that, that God has forsaken them. Quite the opposite. <laughs> Quite the opposite. Except, life here on earth simply is not that easy. Right? If you've lived more than two years old, you, you know this to be a fact. Life on earth is not that easy. So, it will... It requires that we edify each other and that we encourage one another. And even in these times when we are not being persecuted here in this particular location, uh, as mentioned, maybe other locations in America or other locations in the world, it is still there is a great need for us to edify each other and to encourage each other, right? Right? Somebody loses their business, they need to be encouraged. Somebody loses a loved one, they need to be encouraged. Uh, uh, and they need to be encouraged for lesser stuff than that even. So that is the each other part that it speaks of over here. And there's other portions also, but we'll, we'll, we'll start over here. And then verse 12 says this. We're going to look at 12 and 13. And we urge you, so we're going to read these two verses. And then we're going to switch to Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verses 7 and 17. At the same time, read those portions of Scripture so that we... Get an idea of what it says so that when I show you the list, you think you're realizing that this is from the verses that we just read. So I want you to give you the proof here so you don't think I made, a, make a, made a, my, my list by myself. And we urge you, brethren. We encourage you. We beseech you, brethren. Speaks to the brothers and the sisters. To recognize those who labor among you. Those to recognize here means to... <clears throat> the idea of giving honor to recognize, right? Uh, I saw Keith in the store and I recognized him. There is a little bit different connotation of recognizing than when Keith did a great service to the church and we recognized him. Yes? Are, are you with me? So this is that kind of recognizing. To give honor to. To give the respect that is due them. The ones who labor among you to weariness is what the original language speaks of. They labor among you to weariness. 
and are over you in the Lord. These are the leaders. They are over you in the Lord and admonish you. They are over you in the Lord. They, the Lord has placed them in authority over you. Are you with me? Your Bible might actually use the word authority. Uh, I may, I'm not sure if the Amplified uses that or whatever, but uh, uh, God has placed them in authority over you. That doesn't mean that they are your boss. That just means that they, as we will see in just a little bit, that God requires those people to watch over your souls and to give an account of it. So, if you think that being a leader is just, <laughs> anybody can be a leader, you're wrong. There's much required of you. Much required of you. So, uh, they are over you and they admonish you and to esteem them very highly. To esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. For the, the work that they are doing. You esteem them. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we're going to go to, so you have that, that read, right? You have that sort of, not memorized, but you have the idea of what it's speaking of. Yes? Then we're going to go to Hebrews, the, the 13th chapter, and this is verse 7. Remember those who rule over you. Here you have that situation again. The, the ones in authority over you. Uh, who have spoken the word of God to you. These are the ones that have not only spoken the word, word of God to you. They have spoken the word of God over you. And those are the ones that have fed you. Those are the ones that have given you spiritual food. So that you could spiritually grow and uh, whose faith follow, okay? This, this, the faith follow is, is true regardless because if they are going to be your leaders, yes, they should also be your example, yes? If you're not an example, you cannot be a leader. I'm not talking about a perfect example, but I'm talking about a consistency of a leader's life that is worth following. He says, follow their faith. Because some of those leaders, they have been martyred. But in their martyring, they have shown so much faith. Follow their faith. Follow their faith. Follow their faith in every way. They have lost business. They have lost family. They have lost... The, 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 their home was burned because the, the, they, they were persecuted and so on and so forth. But they were standing up for Jesus. That's what I was telling you last week. That the, the women, the widows now, of the ones that were beheaded in Egypt, yes? I know some people that have directly one-on-one -on -one ministered to those widows. And they say to me, they have told me, and I was very curious to find out. We've talked about that, Lynn, a little bit. Uh, I was curious to find out how God is going to get glory out of this. I knew that he would. I, that's, I'm not expressing a doubt about that. I'm just expressing in what way was he going to do that. Because none of his children will die for his cause in vain. None. So I knew that he, there is coming a day of reckoning where we find out more about these men and the ones that are remaining behind. And the widows have said to this lady that I was just spoke, spoke of that is involved with the ministry to these, to these women. And she says, the, the widows tell us they keep the pictures of their fathers in front of their children. Some of the children are very young. And the question was, why would you do that? Would you do that? Well, <laughs> that's the next question, right? Um, well, because there are difficult pictures to, to swallow. You know, your father being beheaded. But the widow said to the folks, we want our children to know what kind of father they had. That when it came to Jesus, they didn't budge one inch. They went to their grave. They went to their beheading. No problemo. That is what we want to, our children to know about 
So they also, these widows, also want their children to follow the father's faith. So uh, follow their faith, considering the outcome of their conduct. Verse 17. Obey those who rule over you. Another translation would say, obey and submit to them. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For, this is the reason. When you see the word for, that means there's a reason following. They watch out for your souls. Well, I happen to be a leader in this place, in this church. And I'm not sure that anything consumes my mind and my heart more than the well-being of the souls in here. Except for the souls of my children and my grandchildren. My wife is part of this church, so her, her spiritual well-being consumes me also. But there's nothing apart from them that consumes my mind and my heart and my attention and my focus more than the well-being of the people that God has given me, a, a, how you call it, a, a, a charge over uh, because I have to give an accounting to the great shepherd of our souls someday even as we speak so he says uh, for they watch over your souls as those who must give account they're not exempt from it this is what is expected from them the leaders they will give an account as to how they watched over your souls So you see, I'm not one of those guys that just sits on the back seat and, well, they're not doing so good, but it's their business, you know. It's not their business. It's kingdom business. And if they're part of this group, it's my business too. So when I come talk to you, and you say to me, Pastor, stay out of my business. I don't want to hear from you. I'll be happy to go. I know hard feelings. But I'm going to come knock at your door. And yes, this is what I'm supposed to do, folks. This is not something strange. Yes, I have to give an account. <laughs> you want to give the account? And then he goes on to say, let them do so with joy. So what are they going to So the, the, the congregation is, is asked, let those leaders give the account of your souls with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable to you. So having said that, then I hope we have a list of, of the different items that we have already talked about a little bit. So this is combining uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 and 13, and Hebrews 13, verses 7 and 17. Combining them together, we get about 10 items over here. Respect them. He says, I beseech you, I beg of you, I urge you. He is asking the believers to do this to their leaders. This is the relationship believers or congregation or church to their leaders. Okay? And I must tell you, I don't recall once hearing a message on this. In any detail whatsoever. 
People just don't speak about these things in church, it seems like. But they need to be spoken of. It's scripture. Respect them. Two, as those, respect them, as those who labor among you unto weariness. That's what the original language is saying. They are laboring unto weariness. Not just physical weariness, also emotional weariness. Uh, Esteem them very highly. He doesn't make any bones about this. He says, (laughs) he doesn't just say, hey, pat them on the back, tell them they're not nice. Esteem them very highly. You don't have to tell them anything. You just need to esteem them very highly is what it says over here. Uh, Love them with a self-sacrificial love for their work for you. Remember them. Recognize them. Give them due honor. This is a list that I've compiled for you to, for your information, what the scriptures have to say. They have spoken God's word over you and to you. Follow their faith. I've given you some examples already of why it is saying to follow their faith. They are an example also in their faith walk. If they are not an example in their faith walk, they cannot be a leader. A leader, by definition, is an example. Otherwise, you just have the tag on your shirt or on your office door that says leader, but you're not. Follow their faith. Obey and submit. They watch over your souls, giving account to God. Facilitate their joy in their leadership, not grief. Are you with me? <laughs> now, you'll be happy to know it's going to talk about the leaders. <laughs> how they are relating, how they are supposed to relate to their congregations. So we'll look at uh, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Um, where were we? 14, I think we start. 14. Um, ooh, 14. He says, Now we exhort you, brethren, that same sort of a word, we beseech you, we urge you, brethren. It speaks here to the leaders because it's talking about warn those who are unruly. Come for the faint-hearted. It speaks to those who, who are in a position to warn. Right? Yes? Now, a brother can also warn. But here is also implied the leader warning. So he says, I exhort you, I encourage you, warn those who are unruly. <laughs> you know where my mind always goes? It's funny, I'm, I'm such a weirdo. Uh, my mind goes, why is warn those who are unruly the first on the list. <laughs> Were there so many unruly folks in that church? We don't have them in our church. But I know them in other churches galore. Unruly folks. Another word, another translation actually uses the word rebellious. Yes. He says, I exhort you, warn those. Give them warning. Straighten them out so they are not unruly any longer. This implies, what does it imply? (laughs) Yes, and it implies discipline, right? If you're going to warn a brother who is unruly, Jay would never be unruly, so I can use him as an example, you know, without feeling guilty. I'm putting him on the spot. He'll never be unruly. You know, Jay is unruly. And so a leader comes talk to him, and he says, well, I'm not going to do anything about it. Okay, so what, how good was my, was my warning if there is no, not going to be any consequences? A week. Thank you. week. So, but the idea is that there is consequences if the one who is being unruly, if that person doesn't straighten up. Are you with me? So, uh, this is difficult 
for the American church to even accept. Because in America, we don't talk like that in churches. <laughs> Somebody is unruly, and you say, hey, brother, Herman, you wouldn't get unruly either, so I, I'm, I'm safe playing with you. <laughs> hey, brother Herman, get your act together, brother. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, what maturity. What maturity. Thank you. Now, I've said to numbers of people, not maybe the words, get your act together, but things like that. Brother, I'm looking for you to step it up. I'm looking for you to step it up. I've told that to Keith. And that's what he said. Thank you. We sat in the car one time. Uh, his car was out of luck. <laughs> Actually, he has a better car than, I, than my car. <laughs> and uh, so I went to pick him up. And driving back to the church, you know, I had a conversation with him. This is normal. And he texted me after our conversation. Thank you, Pastor. I'm not saying this word for word I have it in my, on my text. Uh, but something to the effect, I love that time. Like a father to a son, you spoke to me. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that's what, that's what needs to happen. Like a father to a son. Like a leader to somebody who's part of the congregation, hey, do it right. Get your act together. Get back on the straight path. Love your wife like you're supposed to. Warn them who are unruly. Let me check my time over here. I don't want to. Comfort. (laughs) You like that one. Comfort the faint-hearted. <laughs> That's a little bit nicer verse, isn't it? A nicer portion of the verse. Comfort the faint-hearted. Those who are weak-hearted spiritually, it's not that their heart is giving out. Their spiritual heart is giving out. It is like, you might say, they lost heart. Their heart is faint. They feel feeble. A matter of fact, one of the translations says... Uh, the feeble-minded. He says, he says, comfort them because times are difficult and they're going to need you to come alongside and stimulate them, comfort them. They are, if you don't comfort them, they'll throw in the towel. Yes. Do you know people that want to throw in the towel? Do you know people that have thrown in the towel? Do you know people that if you are not there for them, they will throw in the towel all the time? And he is saying to to the leaders, come alongside and encourage them because they are losing heart and they are losing heart fast. Their house got burned down in the persecution. They need somebody to come alongside and say, let's go for Jesus. This life here on earth is 70, 80, 90 years. That's it. You're looking at an eternity. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. You hang in there for Jesus. I guarantee you, from what I learned from the scriptures, it is worth it. Your children will honor you for it. The faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. I, I sort of see it like uphold the weak. It is like, you know, after the storm, you have the trees that are leaning like this and the fences leaning like this, you know. And I, I sort of see it like, like counter-brace, counter-brace that. So you uphold them. You, you are 
counters uh, uh, supporting them so that once again they might be straightened up or walk straight for Jesus instead of, you know, instead of uh, uh, being weak and, and, and in the need of somebody upholding them. Uphold them for a while till they can walk on their own again. Be patient with all. Be patient with all. That is to say, be patient with all that are in your congregation. And what is included also is patient out there. With other believers and with unbelievers. Okay. So the other night we went to dinner. And anyways, I don't have to tell you the whole story. We were sitting around the table. And I had ordered tilapia stuffed with crab. I shouldn't tell, talk about this now because, you know, I mean, it's, it's just about lunchtime. I'm, I'm freaking out over here. And, um, and I had a lovely raspberry tea. I drink my raspberry tea. Everybody has their order. They're eating. Some of them have already finished. And the waitress is coming by over here. I say, hey, uh, I don't have to call her name because if you go to the restaurant and you call her name, then you know who it is. But it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal to me. And she, she stood at my left door and said, hey, uh, how about my tilapia? Said, oh, my gosh, she says, I'm going to go take care of it right now. And... Another 10 minutes or so, and the tilapia comes. And I tell her, no problem. I didn't say it like this, but I thought, if this is my problem in life, I'm doing pretty darn good. <laughs> is this a problem? It's not a problem. And I told her, and so the other people were looking for my reaction. I, I didn't know they were looking, because their experience was that when they went to dinner with somebody whose food didn't come, they demanded that it was free, and they demanded that it was free for the whole table. I don't go to that school. So I told her, I say, I want you to get the manager. I have no complaints whatsoever. I just want to brag on you. Because I don't, didn't want her to feel bad that somehow or another. So I, the manager came, and they are always nervous when they come. And then, was everything Okay. I just want you to know, he says, yeah, but because the waiters felt really bad about forgetting the tilapia and so on. I said, it is not a problem. Matter of fact, I like that waiters. And when I come here next, I would like for her to be my host again. You see, my brothers and sisters, it's about the kingdom of God. It is not about me, stinky Kenny. Who am I? It's about the waitress that I make her day. It is not for me to spoil her day. This was in the evening. I could have even easily given her a sleepless night. And I, 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 he said to me, you can ask for her anytime that you're coming in. I'm going to do it. Because you know what? When she helps me again, you think she remind, remember me? Yes. I've, I will have created, so to speak, an opportunity for the gospel and be sort of believable. And then the brother that sat across the table from the round table, he says, oh man, I appreciate so much the way you acted, the way you behaved yourself. I say, well, this is not a problem for me. For somebody to forget a little bit, and this is not a problem. I do worse. So where was I? <laughs> be patient with all. Everywhere we should be patient with people. Everywhere. That doesn't mean that at work when somebody messes up 15 times in a row, that you shouldn't speak to that person. But don't go crazy. 
is actually the worse the situation, the way I look at it, the greater the opportunity for the gospel. Yes. It's that simple. Uh, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. See to it, leaders, that people in the congregation, they don't render evil for evil. This is not a Christian way of doing things. No. You render good for evil. Somebody is crossways with you in the congregation, and you try to get them. Hey, no, 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 no. Good for evil. Somebody out there has been evil to you, and you try to nail them. No, 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 no. That's not how you're going to overcome the situation. You're going to overcome it by doing good. Oh. (laughs) Shall I bring it on this plane? This is not evil. But your wife had a little PMS, and she, she, she didn't act too nice to you. And you go, you want to suck it to her, or you want to say something mean, hey, get, don't do it. It's not tit for tat. You are the leader in giving grace. Oh, what was, oh, how did this go? Somebody told me here recently, uh, I, 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 if it was one of you all, I, I, forgive me, I don't, I won't call any names, but somebody told me that his wife had, oh, okay, I, I know who it is now. Uh, when I was in Spokane, his, this brother was telling me. <laughs> It could have been whatever, you know. <laughs> and uh, he told me his wife led into him. All the way we're, we're driving from one location to the next. You remember I told you I had done a, a, a year ago or so, I had done a man's retreat. This man stood out, and I stayed in touch with him. Okay? Nobody knows him. When Colleen comes over here, you can ask who this man is. His name is Ed, but I called him Eddie. But he is no Eddie because he is this big. And when I said, you know, I stand in front of the 100 men, and he's sitting to my left over here, I wanted him to read the list. I say, Eddie, would you? When I said Eddie, the place here roared, <laughs> erupted. <laughs> Nobody calls him Eddie. <laughs> He's Ed. So I say, well, brother, are you offended when I call you Eddie? He says, no, you're the only one that can call me Eddie. <laughs> and he drove from, is Idaho there close by? Uh, okay. He drove from Idaho to come see me there at the, at the, when I spoke to, to the man on Saturday night. He, he wanted to see me. I stayed in touch with him. And he says to me, just like you told me. I zip my mouth. <laughs> See, so I, you know, I give him a slap. You know, of course, he's a big guy. Like I won't slap you that hard. I go, I slap him and say, way to go, baby, way to go. And he says, you know what, Pastor? The next day, she apologized to me. So instead of a volcano, instead of a tsunami, there was peace in the home. So what do we want? Do we want a tsunami in the home? Do what we need to do to, to bring peace. We're peaceful people. He said that at the, at the end of one of the verses, he says, live at peace with one another. Uh, see to it, not evil for evil. But always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Pursue what is good. What is good is to sip it. When she's leading into you. And, and then, hey, and then if you get a, 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 I call it an apology the next morning, fine. If you don't, no problemo. You're a man. Be a man. Be a Christian man. Thank you. <laughs> the women applauding. <laughs> yes. Brothers. What is so hard about
about it. Besides the fact that you have been instructed by the Lord to love your wife like Christ of the church, which one portion of it that is protection, besides the fact that you ought to protect her emotionally and in every way. And ripping into her, that is not, that is not protecting her emotionally. That is throwing her in an upheaval emotionally. There's nothing about protecting there. That, that, that's not manhood. That is childhood. It's childhood. Children act like that. Anyways, <laughs> is that enough? Uh, verse, where are we? 16 coming up. Rejoice always. We've talked about that a, a lot in, in the book of Philippians. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. We've talked about it. But the, 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 the actual the, the translation goes like this. Be rejoicing always. So it is even more active than just rejoice. Re- okay, rejoice. Be rejoicing. It is a continual action of rejoicing. Yes, I understand there is mourning with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. Excuse me. So there is a place for mourning in the fellowship, right, in the congregation, among Christian folks. But then other than that, they should be rejoicing. But too readily, our joy is gone. It's stunted. Too readily. Okay, I've talked about it enough, so rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you can't pray 24 hours a day. You, You need some sleep. Okay, he's not saying... That you should never stop praying, but that could also be, uh, you know, do you pray when you're driving sometimes? I do. You'd be happy to know that I don't close my eyes when I do that. But uh, uh, So, so it is even not, yes, there is a place to go in your prayer closet and pray. Yes? But there's also a sort of like an attitude of prayer. You're driving and you see somebody's, uh, there's an accident, there's nothing that you can do about it. You say, Lord, help them, would you? Keep them safe. May help come fast and be, give the doctors a sharp mind and, and, and the EMTs a sharp mind so that people can be saved. Uh, you know, uh, when I heard about the children in the trees, you know, I had an attitude. I was to say, Lord, because there were people here in the church that I had to say, that I had to talk to. But I say in my mind, I say, Lord, 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 help them. Be with them. Uh, so, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Uh, the choice of words is important here because it doesn't say for everything, everything, give thanks. And some people might even argue that. But I would just say, in everything, give thanks. Be, in other words, be a thankful people. Be a thankful people. I miss that often in people, that they are not thankful. Uh, so I am thankful that God uh, had me lose my business. Yes. Because he, he afforded me through that when I had nothing to be thankful for even the little stuff. Before that, the little stuff, ah, there is little stuff. I was only happy and, and thankful for the big stuff. But when you have nothing, not even a dollar to spend, then you're thankful for the little stuff. See, in those days, today, I'm going by Baskin Robbins, and I get my cherry jubilee, no problem. In those days, Baskin Robbins, no way! It's way too expensive. I can't afford Baskin Robbins. But now, I enjoy my Baskin Robbins the more. <laughs> Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks. Be a thankful people. Be a thankful people. Young people, be a thankful people. Amen. Amen. One of the Things I want you to be thankful for is your parents. Just, just hey, just take it from your pastor. Just take it for, from your pastor. Do you have perfect parents? They are not perfect by any stretch. 
There are flawed people, like I'm flawed. Check me out now. And like you are flawed. But be thankful for your parents. I'm telling you. You just don't know. You haven't experienced enough in life to know how thankful you should be. Right now you think they're stupid. When you're 30 years old, you, 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 you'll think, these were the smartest, smartest people I ever came across. Okay? Be thankful. Believe me. And not only be thankful, show thankfulness. Show thankfulness. Do it. Do it. Do it. Verse, hey, we're making good progress here. Verse 19. We're coming, we're coming there. We're coming there. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. They are, they are sort of going together because it is, it is so much about these prophecies that, that people sometimes despise. Prophecies is not necessarily speaking about the future. Prophecies is also speaking on behalf of God. Somebody says, I have a word from God. That's not to do with the future. It is just, hey, the Lord told me uh, you, you should uh, honor your wife more than, than you are doing. You should love her. This week, I met with one of my, the brothers that I meet with, and uh, I challenged him. I say, write your wife a love note every day, including Sunday this week. I felt that, that God was pleased for us to do that. Then I reminded him, hey, did you write your love? Oh, yes, I did. I might have hidden it too far because I haven't heard from her yet. I, I hid it too deep. <laughs> Don't hide it too deep. You, you have to sort of make it semi-obvious. Otherwise, she doesn't. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, but then, then when I got a text back, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to challenge some other brothers. So, you know how you, you hold your finger on it, then it's asked for more. Then you, you have a little arrow, then you, you push the arrow, then it gives you, okay, who do you want to send it to? Okay, to this brother and this brother. And brother. Within 30 seconds, I said to one of my pastor friends, in 30 seconds he says, I take the challenge. <laughs> but anyways, so he says here, there is people in your congregation who will get a word from God. He says, don't despise it. But he says, but also check it out and see if it is true or not, and if it's right. So he says here, uh, do not quench the Spirit, because it, what, what that word is, if it is from the Holy Spirit, if it's truly from the Lord, don't quench the Spirit of God. He's got something to say to you. You'll miss. You'll miss out. He says, do not despise prophecies. Test all things, though. Because just because they say the Lord said so, doesn't mean that the Lord said so. That means that they say that the Lord said so. Because when they say the Lord said so, it's the end of the argument. Well, such and such and such. Well, the Lord said so. Okay, well, what can I argue against that? Test all things and hold fast what is good. The stuff that is good, you hang on to it. Because it's a word from God. It is more general than that, but I'm just focusing on it here. Abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. Who has in your translation abstain from all appearance of evil? Have you have your Bible with you? Every kind or is it the same as the form? All appearance of evil. Okay? So it is both. Let me, let me explain a little bit the difference. Abstain from every form of evil means don't do any sort or any kind or any form or any shape of it of evil. Are you with me? Don't do it. Abstain from all appearance of evil. That means don't go where it looks evil. Don't do so people might perceive it as evil. Are you with me? Now, what would be an appearance? For, for example, part of what I want to say to you is that when you mess with appearances of evil, 
it almost always swells up. It almost always, the people that have seen that appearance of evil, it almost always they have a bigger idea than it actually was. Are you with me? Yes? Okay, so, well, I wonder what pastor was doing there at that time of the night. So in their their eyes, it might have seen, well, it might have been an appearance of evil. You know, I remember one time, uh, an ex-tennis student of mine called me at 2 o'clock in the morning. He was downtownish, leopardish. And he says, I need some money. I'm, I'm in a bind. I said, how are you in a bind at 2 o'clock in the morning? What are you doing? <laughs> you know. Oh, you know. You know their excuses. And uh, so... Uh, I don't know if Sybil went with me or if I went by myself. But, uh, so I went and, and took him some money. I couldn't bear the idea that somehow he was going to be in a, in a real bind and I had a chance to help him out a little bit and I, and I didn't. I told him, don't make this a habit because I want to really help you and I don't want to hurt you. Not that I was going to hurt him. But when you help people sometimes, there is a book actually written, right? Are you familiar with the book, When Helping Hurts? Are you familiar with that book, When Helping Hurts? Sometimes we're trying to help people, but we're hurting them in the process. Okay? You hear that a lot when there's people coming by. For example, there was a gentleman, he would come twice a year. He would come by and asking for money. And I told him, next time when you come, I'm not going to give you money. Because this is the fifth time. Apparently, I haven't helped you. <laughs> well, apparently, I'm hurting you. So this is my suggestion to you. Go to a church and be part of the church. You're welcome to come to my church and be part of our church. That way you have a family. And that family will somehow help you along. They will help you along because you now you have a, a, a group of people who, who care for you. You don't have to come to my church. Or, or, or else you give, them, you give them 10 or 20 or 30 dollars and they say, uh, uh, Sunday I'm going to come to your church. I say, me giving you the money it doesn't in any way stipulate that you have to come to my church. This was a gift. You don't have to give me anything in return. You don't have to come to my church. You're welcome to come. We will receive you at open hands. But I'm not giving you a gift for a tit for tat for now you coming to my church. You can go to another church that is more convenient if you're closer to that church or, or, or whatever. But you're welcome to, to come to our church. And this, the guy that came for the fifth time, and I say, you know, you have a family. If you maybe need a job, somebody may have a, a little job for you, for you to make a little money, and then you, you'll help along instead of me hurting you. Time after time again, I'm hurting you, and there you are again. Can I give you one more story? I am working at King's Crossing. I'm arriving at King's Crossing a little bit before 9 o'clock in the morning for a 9 o'clock lesson. And I get a phone call. Somebody found my number and is calling me. Hey, I need some help. I say, I can't talk to you till after 2 o'clock. I'm, I'm busy. Uh, so he says, well, <laughs> I need some help. I say, well, sorry. You were not on my schedule till now. They have other people on my schedule. Do you want me to just forego the other people and just come run to you? I'm sorry, you're not on my schedule. At 2 o'clock, you can call me, then I can talk to you. 2 o'clock, he calls me, and he's wanting for some help. I say, well, I can't come right now. He says, well, you promised me. No, I promised you I talked to you at 2 o'clock. <laughs> well, he says, i tell you where you'll find my boot. You know, he's meaning he's going to. Kicked by in the rear end or whatever. I say, that is not the way to influence people and make friends, my friend. (laughs) I say, you know what? I want to help you. But you're not cooperating in in whatever way. 
I tell you what, I can, I can be somewhere at 4 o'clock. You tell me where I come. I have a car. So we met here on the south side, and, and I, I gave him some help. And this was a young man, a good athlete. He ran for the school. I helped him. So I thought. Then he was in a hotel. And a friend of, I, of mine, and we, went, we helped him. And then we decided, oh, we don't help this guy. He's in a hotel. Woo. Of course he wants money. <laughs> well, these stupid people, they're just providing me a nice hotel to chill and, you know. And um, I say, I'm not helping you. And truth come that I saw him. I can't recall who I was with when I saw him. He says, hey. I say, man, how are you doing? I say, last time we, we were supposed to meet at Jack in the Box. This was probably a year ago or so. He didn't show up. He says, I'm so sorry. I, you know, something came up. I say, I understand. I'll be on Tuesday. I'll be at the Jason's Deli. I'll be there at noon, a little bit after noon. Come and we we'll see what we can do. He didn't show up. So apparently, and now he's over 40 years old. So then he was graduated from high school then, the first time. Now he's uh, an adult over 40 years old. Apparently, I, have to, I haven't helped him one bit, though I want to. I have many stories like this, and you do too. Uh, abstain from every form of evil uh, and the appearance of evil. 21 and 22 and 23 and 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. So also, who also will do it? He will, he will sanctify your soul your spirit, soul, and body. Uh, I don't think that the order, spirit, soul, and body, is uh, uh, accidental. That the Lord has put it in that order because it is in that order the importance of what is going on. Spirit, soul, and body. We, for the most part, we minister to the body. Uh, I am one who believes in miracles. But to have somebody healed and still go to hell is not my idea. I want them to know Jesus because that is for eternity. So the healing that God provides is just for him to get in touch with the healer so they can have healing forever and ever. So the soul, the spirit, is the most important part. I'm going to Suriname, I told you, and there is a, a, a chaplain over there who is uh, who's a, a teacher to my middle sister, whom I respect greatly, my middle sister, as well as the teacher. Uh, 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 brother Dot is his name. And he wants to put a panel together. I am the speaker, and it concerns the healing of the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. And there will be medical doctors involved. There will be psychologists and psychiatrists involved. There will be some other uh, ministers involved. And this is what he wants me to address, and then there'll be a crowd of people that after the panel has spoken and, and presented, then there'll be questions asked that we, that we need to answer. And most of, the, most of the folks over there that we know of, they only know about the soul and the body, but they don't know much about the spirit. But the spirit is the most important part. And the spirit is the eternal part. But may the Lord himself sanctify you completely in those areas of spirit, soul, and body. So that it is all set apart for him. It is all set apart for him. Your spirit is. Your soul is. Your body is. That you won't use the members of your body for unrighteousness, but you use the members of your body for righteousness' sake. Anyways, it's too much to talk about. And he who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. <laughs> he will do it. If you just submit to him, he will do it.
You don't have to do it. He will do it. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. And then uh, 25 says this, brethren, pray for us. Paul, the apostle, is asking for prayer. Pray for us. I solicit you prayer. Pray for me. And then he goes on to say, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. So, here is my holy kiss. And I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. So I gave you part of that epistle to the holy brethren this morning. Part of that epistle that Paul wanted us to share to the Lord. 